Hi, I'm Vincent Ramirez, and welcome to In the Outside, the show where I talk with bold individuals who are navigating life in the public sphere, out and proud. On this edition, I talk with Eric Holguin, an ambitious 31-year-old who's running for Congress in the 27th District in the state of Texas. He shares his story from living in a small community near Corpus Christi to moving and working in New York, and then what ultimately brought him home to Texas. We discuss the people and the places that have inspired him and what life is like on the campaign trail. He also shares what it was like growing up and feeling different and how he gained the confidence to come out to his parents. He shares what life is like living in the outside. And now, part one of my interview with Eric Hogan. All right. So Eric, I wanted to thank you very much for joining me on In the Outside podcast. What I'd like to do is just uh, kind of get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. Um, I Well, I was born and raised here in South Texas, and I you know, grew up in a typical middle-class Hispanic family. And dad's a teacher and a football coach, mother's a veteran nurse. Um, and I just had the typical, you know, middle-class upbringing. And, you know, one of the things that was instilled in me as a young age was public service and, and getting involved um, in helping your community or, or helping people. And that's something that I, that I learned uh, later on in life. You know, I learned as a young kid, but, you know, actually went into wanting to actually make that as my career um, but after I graduated college. But I, you know, went through college. I was very involved at Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi. Um, I was actually the school mascot for a number of years. So oh, were you really? <laughs> yeah. Um, school mascot um, really taught me my nonverbal skills because you're not allowed to speak. Um, school mascot, and I was a keynote speaker at my college graduation. Um, but right before that, I was actually, I actually ran for city council in, here in Corpus Christi for an at-large position. And, you know, I lost, but I kept showing up. I kept doing my thing. And, um, and um, you know, I, it, it is what it was. Um, and so after graduating college, I kind of stuck around Corpus Christi for a minute and tried to look for a full-time job, try to, you know, get more established in the community. But I graduated right when the recession hit in 09. Um, and so there wasn't very many jobs, uh, to say the least. It was all just part-time work here and there, nothing, um, nothing serious, uh, or, or, you know, long lasting. So that's whenever I sort of made the decision to move to New York city. Um, you know, I, I interned in New York in 2007 when I was in college, um, at a talent agency. And so when I moved back, I sort of just went over there with, I think I had like $800 to my name. Oh, wow. Um, $800, held on to my last paycheck, and I cashed them until I got there. Uh, found a room. Was I'd, moving to New York something that you always had I'd wanted to do? I mean, what, it's kind of New York part of part of your dream, or? Um, not not really. Um, I in, Towards the end of my college career, I started looking at that as an option when I, you know, realized that there wasn't going to be much um, opportunity for a, you know, a career as job in the Corpus Christi region, um, even though, you know, I, I stuck around to try and figure something out that just wasn't happening. And so, you know, I, when I moved there, I did not move there uh, just to get in the entertainment business or anything. I sort of moved there just to figure out life, 
I was 21 years old, um, and just grow as a person. Um, and then within two weeks of getting there, the agency that I worked at, they had a part-time position open. Um, and they just did an internet rather. They had a part-time position open and, um, they heard I was in town and they said, you know how to do the job already. Do you want to help out? I'm like, sure. So I, so I was there part-time, um, now, had you had, prior to that, had you, I mean, had you ever been to New York before? I mean, was it a place you had visited frequently? Do you have family there? Um, I mean, prior to, prior to moving there, I, I spent a summer there to intern. Um, and so that's whenever they, that's whenever, um, that was a relationship that I had and they knew I was in town. They, they called me and, you know, said, you know, we don't want to have to train anybody, kind of really know how it goes. Um. And so, you know, I jumped on board part-time to, like, be an assistant to the, the agent there, the, the head agent, and was working, you know, 20 million other part-time jobs, you know, bartending, serving, retail on the side, just to, you know, connect, connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually that person, you know, they left the company, and then they naturally asked me to move up. And so, you know, I took over the office. And, um, and yeah, it was, you know, work putting actors in TV shows and movies and commercials. Oh, wow. And, and, um, you know, I realized quickly that it wasn't the glamorous part of the job that I liked. It was the part, the part that I really enjoyed the most was whenever I would get these struggling actors, you know, their first TV break or their first movie role or things like that. Um, you know, they would cry, they'd be, Oh, grateful wow. and like, oh, this feels good. Yeah. Um, you know, helping people achieve their dreams feels great. And so, um, you know, I, I just sort of wanted something more fulfilling, something more to like help people. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't getting that with being an agent. Um, you know, the entertainment business is kind of a shallow business. Um, and so that's whenever I uh, jumped over to working for uh, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney there in New York, um, a friend of a friend hooked me up with that job. Um, and then shortly after I worked for the New York city controller. Oh, wow. So when you, um, I'm just going to kind of uh, take it back just a little bit. So when you were, um, uh, working as the talent agent before you got into the, involved with Carolyn Maloney, um, had even politics been a, uh, you know, even a kind of a glimmer of, of, of something you wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I, I kind of got that glimmer when I ran to city council. Um, and then I was kind of, after I lost, I was, you know, I'll be honest, I was a little butthurt over <laughs> losing. I was like, you know, 20 years old, 21 years old, something like that. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, losing sucks. You know, I'm never going to do this again. They don't want me, whatever. Um, and then you know, it just around, was it 2014, late 2014, early 2015, is whenever I started getting that that itch, I was like, all right, I think it's coming back. I was like being much more vocal on Facebook about political things and uh, just catching myself paying attention to more what's going on politically in the country. Um, and then with the presidential election coming up, it was I was like, it, it was just full blown. So I was like, all right, I think I think this is what I want to do. Um, and you know, I'm glad I figured that out at the age of like. 25 26 yeah that's young um, rather than have like a midlife crisis when i'm 45 and be like what do i want to do with my life um and so um so yes i'm happy 
I did that, and you know, it was it's been great since then. I was in New York. I was on the up and up in the political arena. Um, I you know I was working for one of the top three citywide electives, and um, everything sort of just happened pretty quickly. Um, and people seem to enjoy uh, people seem to enjoy me being you know part of the political arena and respected um, my opinions and what I had to say and all that. So I was like, all right, I think I think I found my calling. Yeah. So when you worked for the, you know, obviously working for the comptroller and finding your calling and things, kind of what maybe made you take the shift back into Texas? So long story short, uh, prior to the elections, the 2016 election, um, there was, I was actually in the process of possibly working for uh, U.S. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. Uh, I went through the interview process, and they actually approached me to, to come interview. Um, went through the interview process, um, and they were like, you're the only person we interviewed. You know, you're great. Um, I was like, great. And they're like, we, we'll be in contact next week. I get an email the following week, and they say, oh, you know, we actually just decided to hire someone from within and bring them up. It's like, all right, I guess, you know, that's what fate is. Um, then the elections hit, and then I was like, all right, I think uh, I think it's time to, like, just do this myself instead of um, sticking around. And truth of the matter is, like, as much as I love New York, as much as that city shaped me into um, who I am today and really thick in my skin, mm-hmm. um, I didn't care about New York City politics. Um, I, was, I, I, just, I found myself kept getting angry about what was going on in Texas, what was going on in my home district and everything just kept pulling me towards Texas. Right. And at Uh, this point, your family was still all in currently in Texas at this point, or had people moved to New York or were you living with your family? Whole family is whole family is in Texas. Okay. Wow. I guess the best way I can ask this is that, uh, was it at like a, I don't want to say culture shock, but you went from obviously living in Texas and, uh, and, uh, and Corpus is not a small community in itself. You know I mean? You have its surrounding suburbs and things, but it's not like a New York, right? It's very, <laughs> uh, yeah. and so having, uh, how, how many years again were you there? Would you say in, in New York? About seven and a half. Okay. So was that hard to make that change to, to come back home? I mean, obviously you felt your calling in, in terms of politics. So I imagine that helped align those things, but, um, kind of that difference in, in, in lifestyle and, and, and just how people uh, operate from day to day. No, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult at all. I'm, in fact, I was ready to come back. I, um, and even after I came back, I sort of was waiting for like this moment where I was like, oh God, what did I do um, type of thing? But that never came. Um, um, and I'm just much more, you know, much more, I already knew the area, so it's like I, I moved into a town, but I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was nice to be in a much more relaxed environment um, that wasn't so, that wasn't so much of a rat race, even though running for Congress is kind of a rat race. <laughs> uh, but, but the environment, the city itself is not, you know, you're not having to deal with the subway system breaking down all the time. You're not having to deal with you know, rent that is way too high. It's just the quality of life um, here in Corpus Christi um, was just a lot, a lot better. Um, loved New York, loved everything that I had, but I think I wanted to be um, somewhere where um, that I felt that 
I could make a lot of change um, in a quicker amount of time. Yeah, I, I had an opportunity to, to, to hear you speak yesterday and uh, something very kind of unique. Um, you were a lot further north than, um, you know, than what the area of the District 27th, uh, that 27th District is. And can you explain a little bit more about how that kind of the, the, the dynamics from uh, where the lines are drawn and all those different things? Yeah, so in 2000, um, after Blake Farenthold won the election, they immediately redrew the district uh, to be safe for him. Um, so the district went from, used to be from Nueces County down to the valley. Um, now it's switched up, and so it's Nueces up the coast to Wharton, um, dashes through to Bastrop right outside Austin, and then it comes through uh, Caldwell, Gonzalez, uh, Victoria, Refugio, and then Corpus Christi. And so the district was drawn to to be a safe Republican seat. Um, but, you know, we're seeing all across the country that safe Republican seats are no longer safe um, just because they rely on people not showing up to vote. They rely on Democrats not showing up to vote, which traditionally has kind of been true. Um, but, you know, there's something going on this year that that's awakening people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, um, they want that change and, and you're only 31 years old. Is it, it, it is that correct? I'm, I'm hoping I'm not misquoting yeah, yeah, your yeah. age. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and you're, you're very young to be involved in, in politics. And, um, uh, one of the things that I observed during your, um, uh, your audience is that the people that had attended were not just young people. So it's, you're definitely, I think, uh, attracting a lot of people from different walks of life with uh, with your campaign. Um, can you tell us a little bit maybe more about maybe some of the issues and things that you're addressing in your campaign? Yeah, I mean, there's there's such a wide range of issues, especially because the district covers very different geographical areas of Texas. Um, you know, along the coast, it's hurricane Harvey recovery and, um, you know, infrastructure investment. Um, infrastructure is sort of all over the district, but, you know, Bastrop doesn't necessarily have to deal with hurricanes hitting them. Um, so their infrastructure is water um, and selling water and, and water rights. Um, healthcare is a big one. Um, that's sort of the universal um, that's sort of the universal issue. Uh, immigration keeps popping up for some reason. I mean, it's a big national thing, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of people care about what's going on. Um, with, with our immigrant communities. Um, you know, education is a huge one, public education. Uh, people are seeing that um, teachers are not getting paid enough. They're being sort of screwed out of retirement. Um, you know, there's, there's a multitude of things, but it kind of depends on what area of the district you're in right. um, that people will have something more specific to their area. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has, you know, their own needs and concerns based on imagine geographically, um, you know, where they live. So, um, and how's that? How's the how have your events? How's ever? How's the turnout been? Um, how, how's the process been for yourself? It's been it's been really good. I mean, when I kick off the campaign, I was virtually a no one. No one really knew who I was. Um, and as each election, this is already going to be for November. Six is going to be my fourth election this year. Um, so each election, we've been building momentum, building excitement, and our events are getting bigger and better. And, um, you know, uh, people are wanting to contribute more and, and just being much more helpful. 
especially after I got the Democratic nominee. I mean, everyone sort of waits to see, waits um, for that process. And so we got that, and we're seeing a lot more, a lot more support. Um, you know, the we, we're doing town halls all over the district, um, and you know they're not they're not the size of Beto town halls, but right. you know we get a few dozen people there that that are concerned, and then those people are going to be the ones to go into their communities and say, oh, I spoke to Eric, I met Eric, I heard what he had to say, um, and sort of be the validators for me in those communities. That's good. That's good. And you definitely, I think I've seen a couple of different um, either Facebook posts or um, some social media uh, that you have done uh, where you've been on the campaign with like Lupe Valdez, who's running for uh, governor in Texas. Is that and then uh, and then Beto uh, as well. So that's that's awesome that they're you know, they are all sharing that platform with you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's important that, you know, the way Dem- one Democrat is not going to to win by themselves it's, it's going to take we all have to sort of rise up together including that show you know he's doing great things but you know he needs the support of everyone else down the ballot to to be successful definitely definitely well that's very interesting and i i, I absolutely applaud you i mean i don't know that uh let alone when i was you know 25 or or 31 i was ever would ever consider a life in politics but it's <laughs> it's uh it's been and i mentioned this to you yesterday i think it's inspiring to see a uh, a young Hispanic person, uh, civically involved. Um, but you know, there's also, I think something that's, uh, very, uh, relevant here is that you're also part of the LGBT community and there's not many, um, uh, politicians within Texas that are, uh, openly out and wanting to serve the public. Um, I think it's yourself, you said, and I think possibly two other or three other, um, uh, politicians out there. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in Texas, it or, or for Congress in Texas, it's myself, uh, Jean Ortiz Jones, and I forgot her name. There's a lady up by Dallas, uh, Lori Birch. Lori Birch. There yes. you go. Uh-huh. Um, and then Lupe, and then Lupe Valdez were the only four, um, you know, at the federal or statewide level um, that are that are that are running for for office um, as openly LGBTQ uh, people. Stay tuned for part two of my interview with Eric Holguin, and don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with all of your friends. I I did not come out until I was 29 years old. I think my parents knew, and it was just something that they that was never really brought up. If someone doesn't have to come out as straight. Why should I have to come out as, you know, have to like have this conversation? Let them know who I am. They know. Everyone knows. There's no like. Eric hiding anything.